Hello, thank you for listening to this podcast. My name is Stephen Cook and this is a talk for Christ the King Sunday based on Ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 to the end. Charles III has been king for just over a year. The accession to the throne was a very quiet affair, just part of the announcement of the Queen's death. The coronation, with all its pomp and ceremony, came a few months later. Did you watch it? I expect you did. The fact that there hadn't been a coronation for 70 years made it even more of a spectacle. And it's something we British pride ourselves on doing well. We know how to put on a good show. But even for me as a Brit, there were times when the ceremony shaded into comedy. All those bizarre costumes, the parts of the proceedings that went so far back in history that no one knew their origins, the people with obscure job titles, all the ermine and the bling, the things that were given and then taken away again immediately, the screening so he could be anointed in private, which reminded me of curtains being pulled round a hospital bed. I wonder what the people watching in other countries thought about it all. Did they think those Brits know how to put on a show? Or did they think, here's a country still living in the past? I have to tell you, I was watching and thinking, how much is all this costing? Who's paying for it? I think Charles III will be a good king. His heart is in the right place, and he's shown that in the things he's done in his first year. But without knowing him at all, I think that is probably because he sits light to all the gold and hoo-ha, and is happiest when he's meeting ordinary people. This Sunday is Christ the King Sunday, and I started as I did because I wonder how much sense the word king makes to us. Even the word Lord, which we use a lot in our Sunday worship, is rooted in concepts of hereditary privilege, which people once thought were a good idea, but we tend not to. My family watched the last film in the Lord of the Rings trilogy the other week, which is a kind of medieval fantasy, and ends with the true King of Gondor being crowned in a much simpler ceremony than the one in Westminster Abbey. It is a satisfying end to a fantasy, but it is a fantasy. How can we reclaim the concept of king and lord when it comes to our understanding of Jesus? The letter to the Ephesians is an amazing piece of writing. Paul had, of course, had that extraordinary revelation on the road to Damascus when he suddenly realised that his whole concept of the God he was worshipping was wrong, that he got his whole faith back to front. And in this letter, it just kind of pours out of him in a stream of ideas and images that flow and blend into each other so that you can't separate them out. And sometimes it's hard to say, this is what it means. You have to stand back and admire it like a piece of art. He's so excited about the Ephesians. They're his pride and joy, the proof that God has worked through his message. They had come to see what he had been shown. And now he prays that just as his eyes have been opened, so theirs will be opened more and more. He wants them to know the hope to which he has called you and his glorious inheritance among the saints and the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe. Do you know what those things mean? Do you want me to explain them to you? 
Well, bad luck if you do. I think there are ideas to be savoured rather than explained, to be admired rather than dissected. This is about hope, inheritance and power. The immeasurable riches of God's grace at work in us. And then comes the reason for this passage being chosen for Christ the King Sunday. He says, God put this power at work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named. The coronation ceremony is full of this kind of symbolism. The king is in some way a reflection of divine power and authority. Paul would have been thinking of all the emperors and kings and potentates and Lord Highs this or that in his own time. All the people who claimed authority over other people. All those who'd ever put on fancy dress and lorded it over others. Here was genuine authority. This is where it came from. This is what real lordship is about. Whatever title you give yourself means nothing if it's not rooted here. Do you remember the exchange between Pilate and Jesus? The Roman governor with soldiers at his command and the helpless prisoner standing in front of him. Do you not realise I have power to release you and the power to crucify you? Pilate asks. You would have no power over me if it had not been given to you from above, says Jesus. No wonder Pilate tries desperately to find a way to let him go. I think he knows in his heart that he's dealing with someone with far greater power than his own. But in the end, it turns out he's the helpless prisoner. It's only because of what he did to Jesus that anyone remembers him at all. Paul's enthusiasm comes from his understanding that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to that helpless prisoner, the one Pilate had crucified, the one he as Saul had been persecuting, and in some extraordinary way, the little church at Ephesus that he was writing to, his joy in his crown, shared in that. They had this hope in their calling. They had this glorious inheritance. They knew his immeasurable power. We have a constitutional monarchy. The king's ability to do things is strictly curtailed by parliament. The king's speech is written for him by the prime minister. When he says my government will, he really means your government will, because we elect them. Make no mistake though, there are lords who control our life over whom we have no control, for whom there's no election, not even once every five years. The 80 richest people in the world own as much wealth as half the world's population. And I'm guessing that between us, we would struggle to name 10 of them. We all know what it's like to come up against the brick wall of disinterested authority. And we're the lucky ones. Imagine what it must be like to have to scrabble through other people's rubbish for your next meal or hide in a cellar because they're bombing your house. That's when it might make a difference to know in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Not the people with money, not the people in the big houses, not the people with the tanks and the missiles, not the people who write the rules, but the one who came among us as a baby, grew up in an ordinary family, taught us about the love of God, and was put to death on the cross. That same Jesus, our friend and brother, 
is now seated at the right hand of God with all power and authority in his hands and one day all the people who have ever lived whether it's Elon Musk Vladimir Putin Donald Trump Kim Jong-un you and me all of us will have to stand before him and give an account of our lives Paul had come to see that the power that raised Jesus from the dead was at work in him and in that little bunch of believers he was writing to and we believe he was writing down through the centuries to us the church used to be a powerful institution when bishops spoke people listened what the archbishop said in his christmas sermon was headline news yet just recently when we faced the major crisis of an epidemic and we had no real idea what the future might hold People were hanging on every word from Chris Whitty or Boris Johnson, but very few were interested in what the church had to say. Behind the scenes, the churches were busy organising food banks, staying in touch with the house ban, providing online services to bring strength and comfort. But it was behind the scenes. Marcus Rashford got the headlines, not the Archbishop. We've gone from a position of power to one of powerlessness, and it's probably a good thing. It's easy to be seduced by worldly power and forget that real power is in the hands of God alone. There is no genuine authority unless it's grounded in him. Everyone else is a usurper. God put this power at work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named. Christ the King Sunday is an annual coronation. We declare Jesus as the King, the Lord, the Boss, the Master, the Chief, the Head, the Supreme Governor, the Owner, the Landlord, the Controller, or whatever other earthly title we want to give him, which is only a shadow of who he really is. And we recognise that all the people who think they own those titles on earth owe them to him if they are in any way genuine. And we rejoice in the hope of our calling, the riches of our inheritance and the immeasurable power of him working in us. I think that's quite something. May God bless this word to us. Amen. <laughs>